What I would love for our listeners to acknowledge is that when we talk about the future of work, particularly for our students, it's not always an exciting topic. And what I mean by that is the future of work may create unexpected anxiety for our students. As practitioners, it's incredibly exciting. But if we're talking to our students, the future of work can be a driver of anxiety, of uncertainty, and that can actually create barriers. The workforce landscape is rapidly changing, and educators and their institutions need to keep up. Preparing students before they enter the workforce to make our communities and businesses stronger is at the core of getting an education. But we need to understand how to change and adjust so that we can begin to project where things are headed before we even get there. So how do we begin to predict the future? Hi, I'm Salvatrice Kumo, Vice President of Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College and host of this podcast. And I'm Christina Barsi, producer and co-host of this podcast. And we are starting the conversation about the future of work. We'll explore topics like how education can partner with industry, how to be more equitable, and how to attain one of our highest goals, more internships and PCC students in the workforce. We at Pasadena City College want to lead the charge in closing the gap between what our students are learning and what the demands of the workforce will be once they enter. This is a conversation that impacts all of us. You, the employers, the policymakers, the educational institutions, and the community as a whole. We believe change happens when we work together. And it all starts with having a conversation. I'm Christina Barsi. And I'm Salvatrice Kumo. And this is The Future of Work. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Future of Work podcast. I am your host, Salvatrice Kumo. Today, we will learn more about our Pasadena City College campus, focusing more specifically on the Freeman Center for Career and Completion. We will talk about what the center provides to students and employers and what the challenges are in engaging students and how to overcome them. With that said, we would like to welcome back Jacqueline Javier, the director of the Freeman Center for Career and Completion at Pasadena City College. Jacqueline is an educational leader who is passionate about increasing access to opportunities that lead students' academic and career success. Her areas of expertise include work-based learning, career services, outreach and recruitment, academic advising, employer engagement, cross-sector partnership, DEI initiatives, and so much more. We are very, very excited to have Jacqueline on the podcast again. And Jackie, welcome back. Thank you so much, Dr. Salvatrice Kumo. It is an honor to (laughs) be here with you today and to continue the conversation around work-based learning and career services. Thank you. Thanks. You know, well, we've heard, you know, in past episodes about your journey and really kind of what led you to this work. And so I think I really want to start off with what makes you know, your center is so special because it's not only the talent that you bring in, but it's so much more. And of course, it's led by you. And of course, it would not happen without your leadership. And I want to acknowledge that for sure. And so if we could please like kind of spend some time about really what are you doing differently there? Like what makes the Freeman Center so special and what could we learn from you? 
The Freeman Center at Pasadena City College is special for a variety of reasons, and I want to just take a moment to highlight three. One of them is the institutional support that our Career Center receives at Pasadena City College, both at the presidential level, but also at the division level. So with having you, Dr. Kumo, as our vice president, it is a huge perk to us because you believe in the work and you're able to really support on many levels the work that we do and help us braid resources. You help us connect with networks. So I think that automatically makes us special when we compare our Career Center to the way that other career centers are operationalized in their institutions. So some of the things that I've been able to really dive into is how can we innovate programming? How can we expand? And how can we continue to reassess our programming so that we are being intentional in the way that we serve our constituents? That's one item that I'd love to highlight because that's key. I don't know any other career center that has this type of support at their colleges. And and I mean that. <laughs> um, thank you. I appreciate that for sure. And another key highlight, I think, is that our career services team is incredibly robust at Pasadena City College. What we find in other career centers is that unfortunately, because they don't have that institutional support, sometimes career center teams are made up of two, three, four people, and they are giving the task to serve a large institution, which is a really big ask of a career center. Here at Pasadena City College, our career center is quite large compared to other career centers. And so we have a team that specializes in career counseling. We have a team that specializes in career advising. And then we also have our job readiness and job development team that is comprised of individuals who are doing outreach, engaging with industry, but also providing that one-on-one job readiness support to our students. And I'm not done there. So there's another fourth specialized area of our team, which is our administrative support team. So we have individuals on our team who are keeping our operations running smoothly, making sure that, you know, our calendars are up to date and that we are communicating with the campus at large about the work that we are doing. And so I feel very lucky to be in a space where we have the staffing support to meet the demands of both our employers, our students, and our own staff colleagues here within PCC. And then the Mm -hmm. third area that I think really needs to be highlighted because it makes us extra special is that our career center, as is the EWD division, we are very data-driven. We do collect information, your basics, right? How many students are we serving? How many students are coming through our doors to participate in workshops or engaging in online programming? All of that is amazing, and we should always be collecting that data. But in addition to that, we work with different champions on campus to collect data that is going to inform our programming and how we can better serve students who are more likely to either drop from their courses, not complete their programs, or lack a sense of belonging. And so a quick example of how we are currently doing that is we are collecting data on undecided and decided students, so those who have declared a major and those who are still exploring. And then we further disaggregated that data to identify unaffiliated students. And so these are students that need the wraparound supports, but because they're not affiliated with the program on campus, they may not be having access to the same information or resources. So the Freeman Center is leveraging that data to create custom outreach plans, making sure that we truly are meeting students where they're at and giving them the information that they need to succeed and complete. I love that. You mentioned two really key words for me 
they're both kind of connected. I mean, there was lots of keywords, but I'm hearing these are your highlights. These are the best practices because you're responding to trends. You're responding to demands. The first thing that stood out for me was core values, Mm. values of alignment between your team and the core values of the center. So I wanted to ask really kind of a follow-up question as like the core values of the center, what are those core values that are driving the motivation and the interest and the innovation that's happening at the center? Yeah, I appreciate that question. And I think it's probably like a two-part question for me because on one end, I think a lot about the responsibilities that I have as a manager in this space to keep programming you know, innovative and to implement new processes and all of that workflow stuff, right, that managers are tasked to do. And on the other end, I'm thinking about leadership practice. And, Mm. you know, no matter how many great programs we provide, no matter how much we ideate around how we can be better, I think that from a leadership perspective, if our team does not feel valued or does not feel recognized or does not feel that their input matters, then I think that's where a disconnect can happen within any department and any team. And so I think from my perspective, part of the work that I've been prioritizing both personally and professionally within the Freeman Center is how do I continue to take into account our team's values to inform the work that we're doing as a center? But then reversely, how am I reminding our team of the task at hand and our mission and how that plays a role in their individual roles. When I think about the values that we have here at the Freeman Center, it's always putting students at the forefront of our work. And as a career center, that can get a little complicated when we're talking about how we're serving employers or when we're talking about how we're serving faculty. Because if not done correctly, then the message that your team may get is that there's a different priority right? We're serving employers and now the conversation is shifting that way. Or we're serving staff Mm. and now the conversation is shifting that way. But for me, recognizing that at the forefront, we need to put our students in the conversation and at the center. I can talk about employer programs, but also how that's serving our students. I can talk about how we're helping our colleagues at PCC and how that's also serving our students. So it's tying it all together so that everyone feels that their roles are important because they are, but it's Mm -hmm. getting that internal buy-in. So we're constantly talking, right, about getting our colleagues buy-in, but it's also getting your team's buy-in so that everyone understands that there's a shared vision, there's a shared goal. And even if we have different areas of specialty, we're all working in alignment to serve our students. I love that. And this is why I think that your leadership there is important and is valued because you're connecting the dots. You're taking a leadership approach, not a management approach. I know you used the word manager earlier, but I'm going to correct on the spot and say that you're not just managing. You're not managing at all, actually. I think that you are truly leading in your element and you're the domain expert in this field. And that includes making these alignments with core values. That includes understanding the stakeholders and connecting the messaging. It is about really leading a team in the direction that highlights and amplifies each of their skill sets. And so I want to take a moment there to really highlight that because, you know, because it's true. 
That's the only thing I can say, right? Because it's true. And our stakeholders know that too, one of them being employers. You know, our employers know when they're engaging with you know, a business leader or any leader in general, whether or not it's going to be a fruitful engagement. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of want to shift gears just a little bit and really talk about the employer side, because those things that you mentioned are all wonderful best practices. And for our listeners for, that are practitioners or anyone really that's thinking about redesigning, reimagining, infusing their centers with capital, talent, and otherwise, you know, I think that we can spend like a whole day really talking about those best practices and what the trends that we're seeing. But I'd like our employers to really hear this side of the Career Center, and that is how are employers really kind of working with you right now in preparing our students for those high-demand roles? What does that look like? And what could we either be doing better at or what other asks can we ask of our employers to ensure that we are properly aligning our current talent with the in-demand workforce? Yeah, thank you for all of your kudos. (laughs) (laughs) In terms of the way that we engage with our employers, very recently, actually, I realized that the approach to the way that we serve students sometimes looks very similar to the way that we support our employers in terms of Mm. the process. Right. So it is a multifaceted approach. And I think it begins with learning who the employer is and what their needs are, because that exploratory phase of engaging with an employer gives us as a career center the information that we need to be able to customize a partnership with them. So, for example, there are employers who approach PCC and are ready to hire on the spot. Those employers who have a system in place for recruitment and who have a better idea of what their talent needs are, are able to almost expedite that partnership process and begin with the recruitment phase. And we have a variety of different ways that we support them with the recruitment. One is by helping them create accounts on our online job board. That's probably the simplest way and the easiest way to get their branding on PCC platforms. But then in addition to that, we offer them different options for how to recruit at PCC. One, we could either host online information sessions for them. We can also do on-campus tabling. We do email outreach, which is very targeted to students based on the skill sets that employers are looking for. And so that's at a glance what a partnership can look like with an employer who's ready to fill positions, both internships and jobs. But we may also be engaging with employers who are either getting started in this process of hiring and in working with community colleges, or we may be also engaging with employers who don't know a whole lot about community colleges and the different programs Mm -hmm. and services that we offer. So again, this information is curated through that conversation. And then we, as a higher ed institution, really lean into our expertise of educating others to educate the employer. So maybe they're not ready to hire just yet, but they would greatly benefit from learning strategy. How can you work with Pasadena City College to recruit for your needs? And sometimes they can have limiting ideas because of the lack of awareness. So they may Mm -hmm. say, I really want to recruit for X position. And then after having conversation with them, we say, well, do you need Y position? Do you need Z position? And then they're like, yes, I didn't even realize that we needed all these other talents on our team. 
So that's really the beauty of having those initial conversations with our employers and really learning what their needs are and how we can be of service to them. And so depending on where the employer is, we customize, I would say, our partnership plan to meet their needs as early as possible. And then along the way, we also learn do we provide them support with, you know, interviewing? Should we provide them support with structuring a meaningful experience? How can we enhance these opportunities so that students are actually interested in applying? Because it's not enough to offer employment opportunities. They need to be right. the right employment opportunities for our mm-hmm. students. Right. So that it highlights that student's talent as well. It's not just about getting a student a job. It's so much more than that. Yeah, it's so much more than that. You shared quite a bit about kind of what this exploratory process looks like for the employers. And one of the things that stood out for me too was what you mentioned is that it is exploratory. It's exploratory in that it's customizing the approach with that particular employer. And oftentimes, I think you've seen it more than I have, right, in this space, is that we try to create these very, for lack of a better term, cookie cutter approach to engagement with our employer community. And that's truly not the case. There's so many different variables, right? There's depending on the sector, depending on the trends within that sector, depending on the scalability of that organization, meaning, you know, at what phase of development are they? Are they a growth company? Are they a company that's just the status quo. I mean, there's so many other, there's so many variables to this employer engagement piece. And I'm really happy that you mentioned that it is an exploratory conversation and that it's an exploratory conversation that leads to a customized approach. What I wanted to ask was, is there an undercurrent, a similar undercurrent that you're seeing with employers that is a pain point for them that can easily be identifiable or is a shared pain point, I should say, across any sector any job, any fill in the blank? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a common scenario that we encounter with our employers is wanting to be engaged with internships or apprenticeships and not knowing how to get started. Mm. So for companies or employers who have been doing this work for a long time, far before COVID, I think COVID really spiked that best practice around work-based learning Mm -hmm. and how to leverage work-based learning for talent development. But for the employers who have been doing this work for many, many years, they're okay. They know how to interact with higher ed institutions, but it's the newer employers, the ones who are now integrating this into their strategic plans or thinking about how they are fulfilling their DEI initiatives, how they're creating social impact within their communities. More and more research is showing that internships and work-based learning is one of the ways to create equitable access for marginalized communities to develop the skills that they need to enhance their networks. And so I think that would be across the board. One area where our employers need more support is giving Mm. them the professional development that they need to learn how to get started, to learn about funding resources within their community or at the county level even, so that they can provide those compensated experiences to students. Oftentimes, the budgets are limiting employers from Mm -hmm. engaging in these conversations, but I'm a true believer that there's enough funding in higher ed, at the county level, at the state level, there's funding 
We just need to be so creative about the way that we're all joining efforts to serve our local businesses and also our future talent. Right, right. And speaking of future talent, there has been quite a significant amount of chatter around the newer generation and their lack of career-focused mindset as compared to other generations. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing the students' mentality change? Are you seeing that at the center? If you are, what could we do to engage them or what have you done to engage them? And if you're not, I'd like to explore that too and have that dialogue. Yes, I love this question so much because... (laughs) My initial response is that it's the opposite. Okay, good. I believe that our newer and younger generations are more career focused than in previous generations. And I can't help but think about the disparity between definitions of what career was defined, you know, Mm, 20, 30, 40 years ago and how career is defined now. And so my perception is that work used to be used interchangeably, the word work, interchangeably Mm. with career. Forward, work and career are two different things. Our students can be working, making income, you know, fulfilling their basic needs while working on their career. And Mm. career now is not an eight to five job. It can be many things. It can be entrepreneurship. Career can be embedded within the gig economy. Career is just a broader, I think, term nowadays than it used to be. And so it creates that Mm -hmm. flexibility for our students to think about career in a different light, where they don't Mm -hmm. need to pick one job for the rest of their life, right? Mm -hmm. Now they can customize their career journey to develop the skills that they need to get to where they want to be. And I would say, ultimately, reach their career goals in their own terms. And so I think about that a lot. How do our students, our younger students right now, our younger learners, treat career development in comparison to the past? And I think just naturally, there's been a shift because our institutions, our systems are now playing a greater role in career development than before. And we're really privileged here in the U.S. to be able to think about career in this way. I mean, there are other countries in the world who don't have that luxury where, you know, based on test scores, based on other, you know, lineages of family, you are told you're going to work in this environment or you're going to be in this profession. But here, we really are privileged enough to think about career in this way. And it's good for us because I think that uh, career services is going to continue to be a priority in our education systems. I mean, we see a lot more conversation even at the K-12 level of how career can be embedded in the curriculum so that our students don't have to wait until Mm -hmm. they're in college to begin exploring career pathways. First of all, I love the fact that you challenged the question. That was awesome because it's important. It's important. You're the leader in this space. You're seeing, you're hearing, you're experiencing, and that's important to share. And I really enjoyed how you separated work versus career and the fact that we, in our own respective spaces in higher ed, that we are clear on that definition Mm -hmm. of career. I feel like that was a learning moment for any practitioner or any educator that's listening is just for us to just change the language in our approach to this, to career development, which leads me to asking you, that was one thing immediately that we could learn from you as a system of community colleges 
you know, as ways for us to do better, right? And ways for us to work better with our students, changing the language, mm-hmm. right? Is there anything else that you would say, Salvatrice, like we as a body of community colleges really need to be focusing on this and to do better in this to support our students' career development? Yeah, there are several. <laughs> There are ideas that come up for me and just to build on the conversation that I just had. And this has been a huge learning moment for me as a higher ed professional is how do we serve our students and treat our students by empowering them and acknowledging the various assets that they bring with us instead of thinking about all the things that maybe they don't have or that they're missing. And that's been something that I've been personally challenging myself with is how do I view our students as individuals who bring a lot of value, who bring a lot of assets, a lot of skills that have been drawn from their past work experiences. I mean, we were just talking about work versus career. A lot of our students began working sometimes at the age of five, at the age of 10. But are we helping them recognize that as real work experiences? And so I think that as colleges, as organizations, challenging ourselves to think about that is a good starting point Mm -hmm. because then we shy away from systems where we only recognize professional work experiences as work experiences. How do we think about, you know, the roles that our students play in the home, the voluntary work? I mean, I think a lot about myself as a bilingual, you know, both of my parents immigrated from Mexico. They didn't know English. From the very beginning, I think at the age of three, probably, I began translating for them. That's a skill. That's a skill that I've carried with me for all my life. And that automatically translates into the workplace. So that's an asset that I bring with me. It shouldn't be perceived as a pitfall or as a negative. It should be highlighted and used to help our students build that self-confidence and that self-efficacy that they need to thrive in the workplaces. And so I think this is an ongoing conversation of how do we better support our students by highlighting their assets and their cultural capital for career and college success. I love that. I also even think that taking it a step further is how do we demonstrate to the student or what can we do with the student that extracts those natural skill sets that they have, what you just shared, Mm -hmm. right? As being a natural translator at the age of three, how do we extract those skill sets? How do we get the student to identify that that is a skill set and then taking it a step further? How do we share with them how to braid it within their career development? I think that's to your point, this whole conversation, that has to be customized in. Mm -hmm. That has to be intentional conversations, intentional programming on sharing with the student the best way to extract their skill sets into their career development, their natural skill sets into their, and their past experiences, their cultural experiences. You can't teach some of that. You can't. It's just, you just did it. You just are, you know? And so then how do you amplify and leverage what our true talents are into the career that we are aspiring to develop. That's beautiful. That is like super powerful and super beautiful. And I'm really thankful that you said that because you could have easily said, you know, well, Salvatrice, it has to be these programs and this thing. And it's like, well, no, it's, this is a human approach. This is not a one-size-fits-all approach to how do we as organizations become better stewards of developing our students. Um, 
So I really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Salvatrice. I can't agree with you more. I think that ultimately being able to be holistic in our approach is what makes the key difference. Because even as a career center, Mm -hmm. we focus on supporting students' career development journey. But by default, that means taking a deeper dive into the holistic approach and what do our students need in terms of wraparound services? Are their basic needs being met? Because if they're not, we need to address that first before we engage in conversation about professional development and you know career pathways and exploration. So yeah, I think that this really speaks to the importance of partnerships on campus, right? Career centers can't mm-hmm. do it alone. We partner with That's different right. student services departments, with instruction, with our equity divisions. And so there can never be enough partnerships, in my opinion, when it comes to supporting a student. And yeah, serving them in a way that empowers them is key. And it also requires constant reevaluation of how we are doing our own work as a career center and as a college to ensure that our students are supported in the way that they need. That's right. I have to ask this question. I know I've asked this question of you before, but uh, you know, this is a Future of Work podcast. And if there would be one thing that you would like our listener to walk away with in preparations for their future, what would it be? This is such a great question. <laughs> uh, it's low. It's a loaded question. It's a loaded yeah. question, and uh-huh. I almost feel like this reaction is meant to be because, mm-hmm. as a practitioner, we are asked this question all the time: What does the future of work mm-hmm. hold? What does the future work That's hold? Right. right, and because we are a part of this work and this world, right? We live and breathe it. We can tap into data and we can tap into projections and we can tap into forecasts. But that's very unique to us as professionals who are in workforce development spaces. What I would love for our listeners to acknowledge is that when we talk about the future of work, particularly for our students, it's not always an exciting topic. And what I mean by that is The future of work, the idea behind the future of work may create unexpected anxiety for our students, right? We get really excited about Very true. Very, very true. Future of work is innovation and future work is opportunity and creativity. So as practitioners, it's incredibly exciting. I am excited. I always get excited Mm -hmm. about the future of work. But if we're talking to our students, the future of work can be a driver of anxiety, of uncertainty. And that can actually create barriers to their Mm -hmm. success in terms of how they plan for it. I'll share this example. As a career center, we get students who come in and share their concerns around a career path that they're pursuing that the news is promoting. It's going to be obsolete in the next five or 10 years. Right. So part of our role is to validate those concerns, acknowledge those concerns, but also inform the students of what other directions that industry may take that they will be really well suited for and they'll have the experience and then they'll have the opportunities to venture into those new spaces, those new professions that are naturally going to be, you know, part of the workforce. But we have to have those conversations with students in a way that's very unique So that those uncertainties or those anxieties that they may be experiencing about the future of work are dealt with in a more healthy way. 
And so that's something that I personally have experienced and that I've observed in the Career Center is how do we get ahead of this? Share the information to the students in a timely way so that any concerns they may be feeling about the future of work are addressed from the get-go. And it doesn't impede mm. from imagining what, or aspiring in their careers, but instead propels them to continue to think innovatively and to trust that their skill sets and their academic preparations and trainings are going to set them up for success in the future of work. I love that. What a powerful way, Jackie. Honestly, what a powerful way to conclude our conversation because that gave me a lot to think about for sure. That gave me a ton to think about just even in preparations for the future of our conference, right, that we do annually in October, November at the tail end of the year. And I'll tell you what, drop the mic. Like this, this, <laughs> this is it. This was it. Thank you so much, Jackie. It's always awesome to talk. I'm privileged and honored to be able to talk to you at any time. I'm sure that there are going to be others who are going to want to connect with you at this point, just hearing all of your beautiful messages of best practices, messages for us to think about things differently, and even in our approach in how we develop our students, period, you know? And so what would be the best way for those who don't have access to you like I do (laughs) to be able to connect with you? Yes, thank you so much, Salvatrice. And it's been an honor of mine as well. And I also feel myself so lucky to have you not only as my leader, but as my mentor in this space. And so talk about, you know, mentorship, <laughs> full circle moment for me as well. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of- That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, in terms of connecting with me, I would recommend our listeners to reach out anytime. And there's probably two ways that are best in terms of reaching out to me. One would be via email, which I'm sure it'll be in the notes, but it is jjavier6 at pasadena.edu. And then the second would be through LinkedIn. So I am a pretty active LinkedIn user. I'm constantly connecting with individuals in our space and would love to connect and learn about, you know, what everyone else is doing within their organizations or their colleges. And I'm always open to sharing best practices. I mean, if it weren't for the network that I was able to tap into to help innovate our own programming, you know, I wouldn't be where I am. So I'm always willing to share resources, anything, anything really. We're all on the same team in terms of serving our students and our employers. Excellent. Thank you. You're right. We will be sure to put those in the show notes. Jackie, thanks again. I look forward to seeing even more evolution of not only the center, but just you as a leader in this space. Super excited about it. And I thank you. Thank you for choosing PCC, by the way. Like PCC is our second home away from home, thank you know? You. So thanks for and choosing And thank us. you for inviting me. I'm always pleased to be here. You bet. Anytime. Thank you for listening to the Future of Work podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite listening platform so you can easily get new episodes every Tuesday. You can reach out to us by clicking on the website link below in the show notes to collaborate, partner, or just chat about all things Future of Work. We'd love to connect with you. All of us here at the Future of Work and Pasadena City College wish you safety and wellness.